Hello and welcome to Make It Work, the bi-weekly podcast where we uncover inspiring stories of modern working mamas in Asia who have redefined their career paths whilst putting family first. Hi, I'm Sarah Wong and today my guest is Sharon Fan, a good friend and classmate from business school. Sharon is a Taiwanese-Canadian currently based in Taiwan. She is a leader in medical devices and used to run the country office of a major health tech startup in Asia. She is a great example that you don't have to start your own business or become freelance to really find that elusive work-life balance. I mean, how many of us want or can become entrepreneurs? When I met Sharon back in business school in 2016, she was what I would call a super extrovert and multi-multitasker. You know, that person who is at every single party and networking event and school activity, Sharon was everywhere. So when I found out that she decided to take a career downshift and even gave herself a 50% salary cut after becoming a mom, I knew I had to hear her story. Come and join us in our conversation. Hey, hi, Sharon. So good to hi, see Sarah. you. Very good to see you. I mean, virtually. I'm in Taiwan. And you are. we both have children, so we can't fly randomly on a weekend to see each other anymore. But this is great. So let's just dive into it. Tell us about your story in two minutes or less. So my name is Sharon Fan. I am Taiwanese, born in Taiwan, but moved all around the world, lived in Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and then my family, Canada, when I was 10. And I spent the formative years of my life in North America and then attending business school in Seattle, at France and Singapore, and then relocating to Germany. Bear with me, we're almost done. And then after Germany, moving back to Taiwan. And now that's where I'm based with my husband and my daughter, who is two years old. That was a bit of a whirlwind. Well, tell us a little bit of how a day in the life of Sharon Fan looks like today. So today was actually a bit chaotic because we're just still recovering from jet lag. But my daughter is enrolled in pre-preschool. In Taiwan, they have like a special class for two-year-olds. Pre-preschool here starts no later than 8.30. So I rushed her off to pre-preschool, got home, did a bit of yoga and meditation, made myself coffee, and then sort of starting my day. I do work remotely with the option hybrid to go into the office. So I do strategy, business development, corporate development, sort of really high level thinking and initial sales for B2B customers for a medical device startup in Taiwan called Jimmer Medical. They do class three implantable neuromodulation devices. The work is really engaging. Usually around 3.34, I go to pick up my daughter, come home, we have dinner, put her through the bed routine. And then I actually have calls with North America starting from 9 p.m. And it usually ends around 11. And then I finally have some me time, bed, rinse, repeat. That's a standard day, but I like to live a lot of non-standard days too. Yeah, like the past few weeks where you were in Germany for a work conference, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure you get a bit of that travel and that variety as well. I do travel a lot. Like I looked back on this past year and I've already been to three conferences um, and then two more business trips on top of that. And so I think it is a bit unique in that like in, in the household, I'm the traveling parent um, and my husband does take a lot more time to be at home to sort of be the like stable anchor of our family. And this is so interesting because compared to the Sharon fan that I knew back in India, this pace that you're running is already like maybe just half of what you used to be doing. So talk to us a little bit about this whole shift that I know was the result of having a kid. Yeah, tell us about that. I'm always the first to admit to all of my friends that 
mother has been especially tough on me. I think for three things. The first was I didn't anticipate the the minutia to be so significant. You go from, you know, having your whole day to yourself, jamming it with every every minute in your calendar, but being in control of those minutes to sort of a an immediate break and then shifting your mind and your focus to very tiny details. And I think the baby right. phase, you know, zero to six months was especially tough because it was like, did she sleep? Is she not going to sleep? Is she hungry? What is this cry? Is she pooping? How do I change this? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so the tedium, I think mentally for me was the biggest and most difficult thing because it didn't feel like it would end. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't enjoyable intellectually at the time, which is fine. I mean, sorry, you're smiling because I think most women who have had long enough independent thinking struggle with that a bit and nobody talks about it because it would come across as if you're a bad mom or, or someone who doesn't love children. It's not that I, it's the baby phase is especially tough mentally, mm-hmm. I think as a shift because I'm mm-hmm. so used to a variety of things in my time. But then when you're full-time taking care of a baby, you don't, you can't squeeze in that variety. I mean, I tried. I remember I was one hand breastfeeding, one hand like WhatsApp and Instagram to the point where I developed mommy's thumb, mostly because I was like using my thumb too much, like using my phone way too much. Um, and I, I had think that, that too. period. I had that too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and it was terrible because I used my right hand. And then when the right hand got injured, I started using my left hand to type. And then the left hand got injured. And then I switched I to the right. Same thing. I had to yes. buy two, like, those, what's a wrist guard? <laughs> Eventually, the wrist guards didn't even work. I had injured it so much that I couldn't even open my, my thumb past this degree that I ended up getting shockwave therapy, which I highly recommend. But I was just like, blast that ligament to whatever degree I need it back. I mean, the motherhood that I experienced was a lot of trial and error, a lot of doing things the wrong way, a lot of hitting my head against walls that Mm -hmm. I constructed myself, Mm -hmm. and then eventually kind of finding that door and say, hey, you got to let that go (laughs) and change who you are because she's not going to accommodate or your former self. So to some degree, this year has been a bit of my old sort of speed and energy, but I'm also mindful that that's not sustainable. And so it's always constantly like having these shifts of like, hey, two, three weeks abroad and then being really lazy when we come home. And and I mean, by all means, I think laziness is also relative, right? It's giving yourself yeah. the time to just recharge. Mm-hmm. And I never used to. I never used naps. I never used to even sleep more than six hours help us to paint this picture of how you used to what you were doing before because not many of us know work-wise and what you're doing now what are the levers that you moved to to really change was it your industry your role tell us about that sure so I I studied engineering. I've always been really enamored with healthcare so I I actually had my own medtech startup in 2011. I was co-founder for that and did that for about three years. And then I joined a Taiwanese med device startup, actually the current one that I'm at now, and we'll get to why I rejoined. And then I did my MBA, came out of it and did some pharma strategy consulting in Europe, came back to Taiwan, did health tech, and, and they were all very small to medium size. And in my head, I loved that arena because it was all about the hustle. It was all about, you know, putting in a lot of grind and then seeing magnificent results because you go from zero to one and one to a hundred. I really enjoy that zero to 100 kind of period. And I can say I was a bit addicted to work. 
Uh, it became hmm. my identity. It became sort of my my driver and my passion, and perhaps my purpose. Right? You can get lost in that. And I would say, even during my pregnancy, when I was working for the health tech startup, I was doing twelve, fourteen hours. So I'd wake up at seven thirty eight, and then come home. Yeah, because you were setting up the Taiwan office. You're the MD of that exactly. health tech company. Yep. I basically took it from zero to let's say thirty. And so, yeah, there was not a lot of sleep. There's not a lot of even pregnancy care. Uh, full disclosure, I, I didn't even take prenatal vitamins. And then after I gave birth, one of my good friends was like, are you still taking your vitamins? And I was like, I never took them. And she's like, you might be hormonally imbalanced. I suggest you take some prenatals now. And I took them for a whole year before the brain fog went away. And, and it's funny because being a, an advocate of proper health care and, and proper wellness, I totally ignored it for myself, right? Because I was lost in it. I, I really thought work was my purpose. And I was actually kind of scared that being a mother would steal that purpose and identity. And so, yeah, 12 hours a day, Monday to stay a comp combined weekend. So, you know, six days a week of that, which was a lot. While I was on mat leave, things didn't work out with that former company. And I had the opportunity to rejoin my current company, which is definitely at a slower pace because at the time I basically asked to be able to work from home, flex hours. And at the time my boss asked me, hey, so then what do you? want that and I gave myself a 50% pay cut which at the time I thought okay this is you know this is a lot and now that I think about it it's worth it um for the time for the freedom for the peace of mind too that I'm contributing maybe less at work but I get to be fully present for my job at least in the first two years but that was also hard like I remember I would try to keep a weird 12-hour schedule for a job that didn't have that much work until at some point, my husband was just like, you need to relax and stop looking at your phone. It's okay. Like, you can, you can ignore some messages and it'll be fine. But you can't ignore the crying baby. So, in effect, I structurally changed how I work in mm -hmm. order to structurally accommodate for being a new mom and tending to an infant. And mm -hmm. her first two years of life was mostly just caretaking, my husband and I. And we also lived in North America for three months and then in Europe for four months. So there was a lot of, obviously, like shifting of gears. in the Right, but the flexibility traffic. of the, the new job afforded yeah, you that ability that. to, yeah, do that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think, I mean, important to say that, like, my husband and I are both fortunate in that we can work remotely. I know, especially in Asia, a lot of family structures don't allow that. And it's terrible. I'm not saying that it's terrible post-pandemic. I'm just saying it's terrible in general because parents are super effective people because they can get something that needs to be maybe done in an hour, quickly done in 15 minutes yes. and move on. There have been studies on that. So you talked to me before about this analogy of how you see this downshift actually uh, something you really welcome. And that was refreshing to me. I'd love for you to share a little bit on how Sharon Fan thinks about career downshifts because oh. I think everyone would benefit from your input. So I really thought that I would be one of those high-powered career women, source their children to nannies, and become a role model that my child looks up to, but maybe isn't close to. But to be honest, I think that was a, a vision that I could not fulfill because it's actually not my personality. And when I did slow down, 
I realized how much I enjoyed it. I realized how much it meant to my daughter that I was around for her. And it gave me the lessons of patience. And I think it also enabled me to do some of the harder things. Every time I read the term downshifting, I love it so much. I think I read it online. I, I didn't invent it, obviously. And I remember thinking the reason why I embraced it so much is in mechanical engineering, you have, you know, five or six gears in, in a manual car and you use the high gears to go really fast and straight, but you always have to downshift when you're climbing a hill. And that's actually one of the lessons you learn is that different gearing uh, and different speeds is just for tackling different terrain. And so if it's a very clear raceway that you're going and all you're doing is just going fast, great. And, and that's very linear. And I've done, been there before and I enjoy that thrill of that. But downshifting is when, when you're curling up a curvy hill and you can't see around the corner and it's very steep. You don't even see the top. And there's another thrill in that too, in that some, at some point you're going to make it to the, and then you'll know where you come from. But in the time, it's a grind. It's a very slow. You put your head down and you just sort of wait and you just have faith that you're going to make it to the top. And it's, it's a game and thrill in it of itself. It's just different. I think what I hit, the wall that I hit was I was always going very fast and straight. And I wouldn't say that motherhood is curveball, but it is, it's not controllable. You can't mm -hmm. see around the corner. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to trust in the process and just enjoy it while you can. I love that. Thank you so much for yeah giving that, that picture to illustrate how it's doing something harder. And so it's okay to use a different gear. In fact, you need to, or you will burn out, right? Or something's going to give at some point. Well, I was recently in Europe and I was even thinking about this as, you know, in Europe, all of the cars, most of the cars are manual. People understand intimately that have to, when they're in different frame. Whereas if you're living in an automatic society, then you don't know, right? Your machine is shifting for you and you're just kind of like on the receiving end. So is that maybe why that's you interesting they're a little bit more patient oh wow fascinating correlation of a prevalence of manual cars and the pace of life i always thought that maybe seasons was was the thing as well where because you have a you know you have a summer and spring where things are you know naturally just faster paced and then when you start coming to fall and winter things slow down there's like this natural rhythm so i i don't know that was my hypothesis that maybe countries with seasons have maybe a bit more of that like understanding well so then the best analogy would be canadians and, mm -hmm. and say people from the nordic because our seasons are so extreme right like winter <laughs> is just winter and maybe mm -hmm. the reason why canadians are so nice i always say this is because you can't rush them in the dead of winter like you are effectively a servant to mother nature if there's an ice storm, nothing's going to get done. You're not going to be able to go home easily. You just have to be patient and careful. So as a result, as people, we're more rounded and a little bit softer because half of the year, you're hibernating and, and, and the weather is out of your control and you just have to be okay with it, right? Whereas I think, yeah, for sure, places like LA where it's always sunny and reliable, you can go fast, you can just push all the time. But how healthy is that? in terms of a work environment or in terms of living mm -hmm. each their own attribute that to some degree about success of singapore is that like it's also a very constant hot right and anytime your the environment is consistent 
um, you can rely on some level of productivity. Because, yeah, there's the sense that it's a controllable variable. It's not as unpredictable as, yeah. So I'm curious about that landscape of work-life balance slash integration in Taiwan. Is your job kind of like the exception? It is. And I take a deep breath there because I have worked in Taiwan a total of only five years. But I do understand the work culture intimately. It's very much so traditional in the sense you know, you don't leave unless your boss leaves and clocking in and clocking out is necessary by government standards. Yeah. The pandemic, unfortunately, didn't digitize, make remote work a thing. So unfortunately, the work culture, I want to say, is still quite traditional. Although I think new firms are becoming a little bit more flexible. And for mothers in particular, maternity leave and paternity leave are not as generous. And so as a result... Most people put their children into daycare almost at four to five months because mom's got to work. Otherwise, dad makes enough money for two, then the woman is out of the workforce. So it's very bifurcating. It's like you have to make a decision as a woman once you become a mother or am about to, to either just quit and become a, a homemaker for four to five years or to outsource your child to daycare as early as four months because that's how long government maternity leave is so it's a very short period of time and then the scary thing is i mean cares aren't the most sophisticated if anything babies are four months old and when you have 10 of them all crying together it's it's a bit of a chaotic environment and so a lot of people experience babies being mistreated in daycare etc etc and all of this leads to the fact that taiwan now has i think the world's third lowest birth rate because people can't afford it, there's not enough support, and it just comes across as a very daunting thing to do. It's one of the reasons why I think I also kept my child nearby until she was two years old and there was more structure and she was old enough to be able to talk to me about things that's So altogether, I would say it's not the optimal place to raise a family. There's a lot from the government and policy side that needs to be changed, but then also from the work side where employers aren't as friendly to, to women who are getting pregnant or, or are already mothers. Well, kudos to you for making it work. It sounds like you took somewhat of a middle path where you worked continuously till your kid was two and then put her into the... I mean, I think the interesting thing I always tell Taiwanese women is look for a good company. Our company is medium, so it's 50 people. But the leadership are all young parents. They get it, right? The dads have to do pickups as well. So when I got into that environment, I was like, wow, this is so refreshing. Everybody understands your pain. You know, your child has a fever. I had to take the morning off. And we're all, we all covered for each other. And there's a lot of empathy, which I think is really big. Yeah, and you talked to me before about how you helped shape a little bit of your company's culture with regard to being more family friendly? Yeah, I think I learned that it was kind of fun to immediately join a, a company where everybody could understand the pain and everyone knows where mm -hmm. the best playgrounds are. And so it suggested to actually sort of like weekend meetups in order to bring the families together, which is quite cool and they institute that at times. And at the same time, like if anything, the things we talk about outside of work are usually all about, you know, events we can take our children to, parenting styles. Like it, it almost becomes an extension of like a parenting group. 
but just with people work with. Yeah. And um, that's so great, right? Because you're bringing your whole self. Exactly. And yeah. I think I was a bit surprised that everyone was like that because it's a research and development heavy company. You know, everybody has masters and PhDs in, in engineering. But I think we all realize that we've shifted into a different phase in our life. And this is what we do now. We talk about where to buy baby toddler beds and shows to take them to. Yeah. Well, all right. I'll, I wanted to hear a little bit about how you worked with your spouse, Reza. And if you could talk a little bit about you know his background, because it's a really interesting one. And how do you guys work together during this transition that you obviously experience a, a huge change in your whole life? So my husband, he is Iranian, but he was raised in France and educated in Germany. He's a computer engineer and he did remote work before it was cool. So he started in 2018. We actually met in Taiwan in 2019 when he was on a project in Mongolia, but decided to make Taipei his home. And I would say I kind of hit a jackpot in that it meant I had a partner who was at home and able to help with the initial months of baby take caretaking and has enabled me to be able to travel so much for work because he's the constant, like he's at home making sure she's okay on the weekends, etc. And to that, I'm eternally grateful. There would be no way I could have the velocity of my job without him being the anchor of our family. And, and his personality is also very, a little bit more chill, likes to stay at home. He really enjoys spending time with her. He's more patient. He's more observant. So he figures out her patterns faster than I. And they really enjoy each other. So I think it's it's kind of like a perfect compliment. But to be fair, we've definitely had our fights because I'm impatient. And he wants to slow down. Then, you know, there's a tug of war there. Or if we're both exhausted, then we learn that sleep is our biggest, I call it sweetener. If we're both well-rested, we're having a perfect day as a family. She can scream and cry and be fussy all she wants. But if we're both exhausted, that's when, that's when the communication breaks down. There's a reason why sleep deprivation is a tool to, of torture. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a good point. I would take water torture or anything else physical over sleep deprivation. I think that would suck. I, I mean, yeah, that's the biggest thing I think everyone experiences in, in parenting that reveals a lot. <laughs> right, Sharon. Thanks for sharing that. So wanted to know if you would do anything differently if you had to go back. Oh, my God. So many things. <laughs> I think I almost have something different for every stage of my child's <laughs> young life. So take my prenatal vitamins. Rest more during pregnancy. For sure, Taiwan is a great place to give birth because there's really great postpartum care. We end up hiring mm. someone to stay with us for 50 days. Mm. And that was groundbreaking. If I have another child, I would hire that person for three months. It's so much worth it for the initial phases. But I would also tell myself, but to any new moms, you have to be able to suspend control, to suspend your old identity, and be in what they call growth mindset which is that you're just learning. Everything is new. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's just how are you learning and how are you being improving on this new thing that's ever shifting and evolving. And I had so many expectations going in and that was honestly the worst thing to have because then I wanted things to be the way they were, but there's no right answer and formula 
for yeah. this first six months. My aha moment was when my daughter was two and a half months old, crying at three in the morning, even though she had been sleeping through the night for a couple of days now. And I had sat her on the couch and I screamed at her in English, get it together right now. <laughs> and I screamed it a couple of times. And then my husband just started laughing. And then I kind of extracted from that moment. And I, I thought to myself, what am I doing? She doesn't. She's not going to get it together. What is together to her? What are you talking? You're crazy. I mean, it was a sleep deprivation. We've all had those moments. Yeah. But I was, I was astounded that I went there and it showed how much control I felt like I needed and, and how much that needed to let go in order yeah. for you to coexist. So good. Don't get it together. You don't have it together and that's okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sharon. Well, before we end, I always ask this. What are the things you love to talk about if people were to reach out to you? Anything you want to connect with people on? I would love to talk to any, I actually think moms and dads included, who want to create that ideal work environment for their career and be a really present parent. I count myself really quite lucky that I am in the position that I am because I am learning, but I'm also getting paid and I be a really attentive mom. And I think a lot of people think it can happen. I think they have to work the 10, 12 hour days and then neglect their children. And I believe that they can coexist. And there's a win-win out there. Maybe it means changing jobs. Maybe it means downshifting. Maybe it means becoming your own independent consultant. But I think making that leap is scary. And I'd love to help anybody kind of talk through it or explore their options because that's my way of paying it forward. Right. Thank you so much, Sharon. This was really a fun and insightful conversation. And I'll see you next time. Thank you, Sarah. I enjoyed it too. Have a great day. So that was Sharon Fan. I loved our conversation because she gave a refreshing perspective on the term career downshifting, linking it to what I thought was a great analogy about shifting car gears to navigate different terrain. That really drove it home for me. Pun definitely intended. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for listening to Make It Work, where we uncover inspiring stories of modern working mamas in Asia who have redefined their careers whilst putting family first. Please help others discover the show by leaving a review and rating on wherever you get your podcast. And see you at the next episode of Make It Work.